1: To start winning, Aaron Rodgers looking for Devante Adams, who's got it. DJ Moore has a pant to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. And it's caught. Thanks. touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co owners of RotoViz, also. Uh, the co host of the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch, which is must listen to each and every show. This is the Thursday edition of the Road of His Overtime podcast. Uh, Sean and Ben had out a fantastic Wednesday show this week where they talked about a lot of, I think, content that can be quite evergreen. Obviously, focusing on some of the players from this year, but talking about the strategies, the roster builds from kind of August, September time, and what might you know look to change now, what might people be doing when drafting in 2022 so lots of good stuff there we will be looking back in a similar way on saturday's show looking through our main event roster what teams have made the playoffs there what roster constructions they were and what combinations made that up so looking forward to recording that one for saturday but do check out that one with sean and ben fantastic fantastic show uh sean we are heading towards week 13 there is a a number of teams that we are you know, involved with in terms of our draft strategy this year on buys this week of course over at the ffpc makes it a little bit tricky in some of the playoff formats or in some of the other formats you know week 13 is vital in the, the best ball tournament to getting in there uh, some players on buys there which can make it tricky so lots of uh, challenges coming up this week but should be should be fun we're into the business end of the high stakes leagues and um, we obviously are getting there too towards the playoff time in dynasty league so Looking forward to this week. We're hoping that when we have our shows next week, there is a, a bounce in our step, a bit of joy in our voice, and we're, we're heading to the big time.
2: <laughs> exactly. We were looking through, and we're going to do a little bit more of a discussion of the teams for the Saturday show, kind of look at the, the structure of it, how the drafts played out, what that means for teams coming through. Ben and I had talked a little bit about that for our Silly Bananas team on the show yesterday. Uh, but, Column, it is interesting. Our team did do extremely well. This was overall probably my best team, and it was fun to draft it with you and do a live draft for it that we uh, had on the pod back in the fall. At the same time, even though our team was probably the strongest out of the four that are in the playoffs we are projected for the lowest score this week so that kind of goes back to your point of uh injuries and buys and that kind of thing can come into play in a big way the swift and cml injuries are definitely not going to help us but maybe those guys will be back for the big money race and uh in the interim call we've got a lot to go over today we're going to look at some more of the receiver developments from week 12 and then dive into some of the zero RB report for the NFC that I penned earlier this week. A lot of developments on the NFC side that are going to really determine how the fantasy playoffs play out.
1: Yeah. Lots of interesting stuff happening injuries and non-injury related but we'll, we'll dive into that in the second half of the show sean you mentioned the wide receivers week uh, 12 quite interesting and the, the season in general quite interesting if we look at the season in general the names that we kind of would expect to be there you know cooper cup is having a phenomenal year tyreek hill is having a, a great season and we're looking at these guys you know 11 games played now so a lot of the teams are through the buys there was a portion of time there where we were looking at you know guys with one game less played you know guys with you know just different different kind of trying to compare them against each other i guess we can obviously do that by pair game numbers but a lot of the guys at the top uh, the other name in there i guess is dj moore having a game extra played um but unfortunately for us this year a lot of those as we've seen this past week those targets um some less value and and some of them but more still having a pretty solid year jalen waddle is in there with an extra game played as well deontay johnson's in there with a game less played just the 10 games for him we have Diggs, Jefferson and Samuel and it's actually interesting that Samuel is in there um who we joked about last week is pretty much playing exclusively as a running back at this point but uh, with all the injuries maybe the best uh pure running back now at this point in the NFL but we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that plays off we would like to see him get those targets back but it's been a lot of fun to see Brandon Ayuk get back uh you know into the into the mix there so um those guys in there, but- it is interesting with samuel with the 92 targets on the season um obviously hasn't had many targets over the last two weeks so had been on a really solid run hopefully that will start to come back uh towards what we were getting earlier in the season week 12 sean there's a you know deontay johnson continues to kind of lead the way here in terms of weekly targets 14 for nine this week 35 just under 36 percent target share um we talked off air the last day about the quarterback situation there in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger at this present moment in time, maybe one of the, uh, I guess we'll say, less arm talented quarterbacks in the NFL, if that is a phrase we can use. But um, really, really difficult watching some of these Steelers offensive games. Waddle is in there with ten targets, nine receptions. Very nice to see him start to get more targets past the line of scrimmage. I did see a stat this week where he i think broke the dolphins rookie record for most receiving yards in a game at 137 receiving yards this week Odell beckham shows up with 10 targets as well just the five receptions we have cooper cup in there as well as they played catch-up mode against the packers some names with sean maybe and we did talk about him in recent weeks as somebody who could be a buy low i did try and acquire him in a few leagues it didn't work out in those spots couldn't a, kind of get agree to get the deal done but Jarvis Landry showing up with 10 res, targets six receptions um, and then we had Cedric Wilson who was slotted in there for the Dallas Cowboys 10 targets seven receptions Um, filling out the rest of the list guys that we've kind of seen here quite regularly now in Marquise Brown DJ Moore who I mentioned and then Michael Pittman who has been Carson Wentz is one of his favorite targets this year but he had Interesting here, I was about to talk about DJ Moore and how little his targets worked out for him this past week. DJ Moore, four receptions off 10 targets. Michael Pittman in the same stat line with four receptions for 10 targets. Out of those guys this week, Sean, anything that stood out to you uh, specifically?
2: Well, it was was a weaker weekend for wide receiver scoring. We did have the 10 players there with double-digit targets, obviously, as you mentioned, Deontay Johnson leading the way with 14. The rest of those guys... Just having 10, Jalen Waddle with the nine receptions when you're being targeted just across the line of scrimmage, you can often do that. It was cool that he was able to get the 67 yards after the catch in this one to end up getting those points, getting those receiving yards. You mentioned he got in the end zone for a touchdown this week. That bumped his numbers up, so he leads the way with almost 29 points. Some of these lower Catch rate guys also did come through you mentioned Beckham he only catches the five but does go for the long touchdown his 120 air yards among the weekly leaders and then DJ Moore uh, even though the Panthers (laughs) passes he's able to turn his 150 air yards into 103 receiving yards as he makes the big catch down the field doesn't quite get in on that one. But again, looks good there. Some of that air volume, if you can convert any of the longer targets, it's going to wipe out a lot of the uh, ineffectiveness underneath. So good to see that from him. A little disappointing for Marquise Brown and Michael Pittman. Those guys up there were targets but weren't really able to convert this week. They've been on hot stretches but down a little bit. Uh, Pittman struggling for the second week in a row after he'd put up three wide receiver one finishes, right? So uh, he's got an impressive overall profile he's wider 16 in total scoring he's got a 32 percent air share he's got 82 percent air conversion rate uh, he's going to easily eclipse 200 fantasy points on the season and be another example of a second year wide receiver breakout and a clear adp value colin one of the things with Pittman, his overall prospect profile was a little bit weak for where he was drafted he has a solid but not flashy rookie season And then he's in this offense where you expect them to number one not be very efficient and number two to be pretty run heavy. Those things have more or less played out. Although Carson Wentz has definitely had some games that were better than I expected him to be this season and the Colts in general, uh, even blowing the game last week to Tampa Bay, have been have been hot, right? And they look like one of the NFL's better teams, especially if they come through in that game last week. You could definitely make the claim that they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. And so Pittman, another example of these guys who you just really want to bet on coming into year two, especially with the price that Pittman went for. It's too bad we don't have a little bit more of him. You know, some of the red flags are balanced out by a price that was pretty palatable. Now, one of the tricky parts is that he was kind of going in that range where we wanted to target some of our first and highest profile running back candidates for our zero RB constructions. And so that made it a little bit trickier there, but... Yeah, I mean, he's got the the volume again. He's going to be a good play down the stretch. Uh, For those of us who don't have Cooper Cup, this seemed like one where, you know, maybe you get an actual really low scoring game. But he's able to kind of put those points up in the third and fourth quarters, even though, uh, I mean, he was more or less corralled in this one. Your Packers did a nice job. This was one of the first times all season that it didn't feel like he was going to break out for a 40-point game. Now, we kind of look at the overall points leaderboard here, and we see the cup has now dropped barely below 25 points per game. Tyreek Hill still up above 21, Samuel right at 21. And then Devonte Adams, he came in right at the sort of 20-point barrier. He slips down to about 19 in this one, as really both teams did a pretty good job of controlling the opposing star. But that four-player group right there, if you have exposure to those players this season, you're likely doing very well. We have a lot of Tyree Hill. He's the kind of foundation piece for our main event team. And it really is a season. I think that because Jonathan Taylor has broken out recently and looks like you know one of the two or three best players in all of football it's easy to say, okay, well, I mean, you shouldn't have gone wide receiver early. But one of the things that I note here, column, is that Tyreek Hill at 21.3, Devontae Adams at 19.3, and Stefan Diggs at 17.6. Yes, you. there were ways that you could kind of cobble together that receiving production from other spots, but all three of those guys have more or less come through in a way in which those managers were set up nicely to take advantage of other things that may have worked out for them so you know this is a week where Stefan Diggs goes seven for 70 in a score so he gets to that 20 point level he was the sort of foundation piece for the team that Ben and I have with the ship chasing crew I'm pretty excited about those first round non-running back selections we'll talk a little bit more about that on Friday but As we go back into week 13 now, we have Tyreek Hill back on the field. What was your thought as a Packers fan, uh, Packers super fan? I know you watch these games closely. This was the Devontae Adams versus Cooper Cup battle. Were you surprised the teams were able to limit the stars to an extent? Now, we did still get plenty of scoring in this game. Sometimes if you take stars away, uh, other people will perform, which is more or less what we did see. Of course, there was better performance on your Packers side.
1: Yeah, um I, I think in terms of like the actual matchup, I think the Packers did a better job taking away Cup. Um I don't know if some of our listeners have probably, you know, seen some of the, the clips circulating on Twitter, for example, of some of the game planning from the Packers and, and how they used motion to kind of get some matchups where we didn't have um Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams, for example, and, and things like that really helped uh open open some things up for them. I think overall you know i think adam's is somebody who's going to probably without scheme beat good cornerbacks where i think that a lot of the obviously you know there's a great connection between matthew Stafford and cooper cup but uh, there's a lot of times where those catches are are pretty much wide open and you know it's it's really down to good play call in those situations um so cup for example in this one makes up those yards off you know the targets and the, the short yardage completions but um in the situation i think i would i would argue that the rams didn't stop uh didn't stop davante adams this week in terms of what they were able to do on some of the big plays and on another week those big plays are from you know 15 20 yards closer to the the goal line and they go for long touchdowns so i think that pretty overall like going up against Jalen rams going up against the rams defense i think that I, i like they're still one of the best defenses in the nfl i think we'll see some big big games here. I, I hinted at it on Tuesday. I think we'll see some some double or you know two touchdown games coming up here from from Adams. I, I think this year, although we both like Tyree Kill and what he can do in terms of fantasy, I think if we're looking at the best wide receiver in the NFL, I think at this point, in my opinion anyway, I don't think there's anyone that's uh, up there with Devontae Adams. Adams has a I don't know if Sean if you've heard this before, but Adams has a, a saying about but he's a top two wide receiver, and he's not number two. Um, and I would tend to uh, agree with that as well. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but there's there's a lot of guys that can have those big weeks. But in terms of consistent performances, he he's right there for me. But Cooper Cup, like you mentioned, like at the end of this game, I was like, man, Cup was quiet today, and then I, you're looking like still is 18 points. So if you're having, but like we've mentioned with Tyreek Hill a few times, the the bad weeks if they're in those, you know. Uh, close to 20 points or above or, or high you are in a, a good spot so i think both of these teams are uh, going to put up points going forward I, I was a bit concerned that like obviously i'm a packers fan and want the packers to beat the rams but looking at the rams they have now lost three straight and the offense has not clicked in the way it was previous to that so It's gonna be interesting to see what happens to them now over the the next couple of weeks the game coming up here where it's definitely a massive bounce back spot against the the jacksonville jaguars so i think we'll see cup have a should have a big week here in week thirteen. But um in general, I think both teams are are gonna be quite good going forward. But I think just the game plan was the the situation there for the for for Adams and, and the points he put up this past week. And I am very excited to see how these wide receivers do down the stretch here. Um like they, they've been so dominant all year. We're in kind of a at that top end of wide receiver, and you mentioned you know, cobbling together those points from from different spots in the draft. I think we're in kind of a a pretty much a a golden age in terms of this season and last season and how things have gone at the top end of the wide receiver position so hopefully that's going to be the case here over the the playoff stretch for fantasy football
0: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RV Radio 2-1. That's RV Radio 2-1 and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all you need indeed.
1: sean we like to touch on your zero rb watch um for a portion of the podcast each week today we're doing it in the second half of this thursday edition and we're we're looking so you know a couple of years ago we had the rb apocalypse you know it felt like maybe that was going to be the sea change where people went wide receiver earlier in drafts and that first round and at the moment it feels like a lot of talk on social media is oh, you know christian mccaffrey's got injured i was gonna be you know Back end of the first round, uh, second round pick. I I would imagine that when we get to this time of uh, drafting in 2022, he's probably going to be like in those top four to five picks of those fantasy drafts. So it's kind of overreaction portion at the moment, and then kind of most drafters and people who are probably drafting more casually will go back to getting those running backs as much as possible in those early rounds. And uh, I think it's something that you and Ben talked about a little bit um, this week, but. I think the reaction will probably be that people think we need to draft more running backs to make sure that we can avoid those injuries. You know, that that's what cost them this year was, you know, they didn't have enough running backs, whereas it really should be that we're we're getting those wide receivers and trying to construct the roster then in the, the proper way. So you talk about the new RB apocalypse in the title of this week's piece. So I guess I'll start off. Do you think that we're in a situation similar to we were couple of years back uh, after the the 2015 year do you think we're in the same territory or are we past that in terms of how things have worked out for the running backs this year in terms of drafts like if we look at the our main event that we're going to talk about on Saturday but we have like you know Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott then we have Eckler, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones as our list as the first eight picks outside of Travis Kelsey so we're looking then into how, how much has the, the running back position been decimated and how do you think that reaction is going to be come draft season next year? I think it'll be probably not too dissimilar, to as this year.
2: It's going to rely a lot on what happens for Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler down the stretch, right? Those two backs have to redeem the early running back approach and they're very well positioned to do that. And so it'll be a little bit different in that in 2015, Devonte Freeman finished with a big gap to the second player. Adrian Peterson only scored about 16 and a half points per game, which obviously is not enough to compete with a variety of other approaches. You know, not enough to compete with late round running backs, not enough to compete with a wide receiver heavy start. And so, very clear in that season. This year, you know, we have Taylor, we have Eckler, that Joe Mixon. Uh, works into the conversation a little bit but it, it's been disastrous right I mean you look now and we think about the top two guys being Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and one of the things that's kind of interesting uh, both of the teams who drafted those players in our main event actually made the playoffs and so you know, we tend to think a little bit about okay well McCaffrey didn't have a huge impact on the season so his injury here in week 12 maybe that means less than it would have otherwise. It definitely means a lot less than it, than if he had been having a season like Derrick Henry when he went down, right? But it still matters. I mean, I have a ton of dynasty teams with McCaffrey, and those teams are no longer in nearly as good a position as they were a week ago. I have a lot of teams with Dalvin Cook. Those teams no longer in nearly as good a position. You look at Alvin Kamara, his inability to play the last several weeks has made it much more difficult for his teams to make the playoffs you talk about like what works and what doesn't in 2021 well you know we've been kind of hoping for some early picks all offseason and not getting those and you know one of the things that, that we have mentioned on the show from time to time is that there will always be time to complain or be sad once things have definitely not worked out you know you don't have to to worry about it before we get to that point Curtis Patrick and I were fortunate enough to get the 102 and we drafted Alvin Kamara and we did not make the playoffs so being in that situation not a guarantee when these running backs don't go down or they don't perform the way that we're hoping then you look at Derrick Henry and you lose this historic season you look at Ezekiel Elliott and I mean he's just an anchor for his teams regardless of what the Cowboys decide to do tonight Uh, so We see some of the things playing out like this, and it's been very bleak for the running backs. And then a lot of the other trends have been very positive for wide receiver heavy starts, for late round RB, that kind of thing. And yet, uh, one of the things that's been so cool about this season is that there still are a lot of ways to be successful. The Taylor team and the Eckler team in our league missed the playoffs, which is very nice for us. We'll look a little bit about structure and tactics and maybe why that happened but going back kind of to this week and the zero rb report here when we're looking at these injuries and obviously the one that was so impactful for us was the deandre swift injury he's one of these sort of round three four guys he's actually in the dead zone we talked about the fact that uh dead zone running backs are draftable if they hit the elements of the profile that mean they shouldn't be in the dead zone if you're gifted a guy in the dead zone who should be in that second round go ahead and take the discount now don't worry about the dead zone i think that the data is going to be so clear on how these dead zone running backs hurt people this season and with the emphasis on best ball and in best ball is so easy to show that you know basically zero rb or modified zero rb are what works you have to go that route that especially with more data for this season i think that we're going to see drafters adjust and i think it's going to be round one round two very heavy running backs and then there's going to be a a big gap and you're going to see almost exclusively wide receivers for four or five rounds and so then the question will be if you believe that that's more efficient and there are still some things like you know wanting to have tyreek hill wanting to have Devontae adams early But if that's more efficient, then how do we adjust and make sure we still win? But then I do think it's an interesting question. You bring up this idea about Christian McCaffrey. And one of the things that we're seeing right now, one of the things that we talk a lot about is that if you're going to draft a running back in round one, then that running back needs to have the type of profile to where they can average 25 points a game. At the very least, we want them to be in that 23 point per game range Right now, the only backs who are really in the conversation are, again, Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. Taylor is almost at 24 points per game now. He was the guy that we explained all offseason that had that profile. So he was the guy that people should be targeting outside of Christian McCaffrey, right? And then Eckler there at a little over 22. Part of the element with that profile is that you have to be drafting someone you believe can crush the point expectation you can't be doing it purely on volume the volume has to be awesome but you also have to believe that they can go beyond that and have a type of season where they have a you know three four five fantasy points over expectation per game type of year so you have to be a believer in the talent we always like that for taylor like that for Eckler. but Eckler, i mean he's just having such a fantastic season again from the perspective of getting in the end zone doing some of these things as a runner that he hasn't done in the past maintaining this crazy efficiency as a receiver For me, it really comes down to Jonathan Taylor as being the guy you can draft up there. And then within that context, I mean, if Christian McCaffrey comes back healthy next season, then I do think if you have him in dynasty, that before this season was the time to have sold. I think that in dynasty, his value next year is going to take a real knock from these injuries. If you're in redraft, You have to have exposure to the guy who has the highest ceiling. And if you're getting that after the first pick, then you're getting a discount. You know, you go to anybody else. If you're going off of Christian McCaffrey, you better be going to a wide receiver because otherwise you're just taking another running back who can get hurt and has a high injury risk and, and you're taking fewer points, right? So, I mean, I think that Taylor and McCaffrey are going to have to be one too. Again, you know, things could happen with Taylor between now and the season that change that. I don't see anybody else right now getting into that mix. Do you have a guy who, I mean, what would your top five be? This is kind of an interesting uh, digression here, I think, to kind of consider where we would be at this point, going into the playoffs, not knowing yet. I mean, it's kind of fun to look going into the fantasy playoffs and then coming back out at the end of the year, like. How did that change in those five crucial weeks between now and the end?
1: Yeah, I think uh, like I said that uh, the conversations that I've, I've heard like circulating on social media or on some other podcasts this week have been kind of the back end of the first, you know, early second, kind of where Jonathan Taylor ended up at the end of this year. But we have to remember as well Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley dropped because of the concerns around different scenarios we had Carson Wentz obviously and and things like that injury to the offensive line and and different things with Jonathan Taylor we had Saquon Barkley coming back from his injury like I was high on Jonathan Taylor this offseason I think I was at the start of the offseason I thought I might have been too high I, I I feel like I was far too low and I had him like as a you know between six and eight as a pick you know for this year um so kind of regretting that I didn't keep buying on that injury news or or sorry the the news with Wentz and that was happening but obviously you have to adapt to what's actually circulating as well in case it it does come to fruition but I think uh, at this moment in time I think Jonathan Taylor would be my 101 next year I would go as high as that if you're looking at running backs and I think Christian McCaffrey and anything outside of the top four will really shock me um this time next year I think depending on how DeAndre Swift's injury is and how he comes back from that could uh, shape some people's um, thoughts and how things play out. And I also think that uh, after that point, I think you have to be looking at the likes of De- Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, um, have to be then into that starter range. So I've only really given four picks there, Sean, but um, just trying to think on the fly who my my fifth pick would be at that. Would you have somebody different you would slot in there or would you have another player that you would add in as your consensus kind of top five? I I think like people will talk about Cooper Cup, but I I don't know if I would be as high on him heading into next year as we currently are. It feels like his season may taper off from this point forward.
2: Well, I do think that Eckler has created both the floor and the ceiling now to be obviously a first round pick and to be a top five pick. I don't think that he's necessarily the number one, but he moves into that category. Travis Kelsey has had a horrible season and in tight end premium scoring is just a tick below 20 points per game. If you can have a terrible season and still be a first round value, then imagine if you have a solid season, right? And so I think that Travis Kelsey has to still be, In that conversation, I don't think he's going to go that high, but I think he's going to be a great value next year. The tricky part then is to figure out who, you know, the next players will be. I think that Javante Williams is going to end up very high if the Broncos have a quarterback and he's the main guy there because his peripherals are just too fantastic. I also think that there's the potential. We've heard some reports this week, some whispers that with Dalvin Cook out, that the Vikings are going to attack with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, which probably just means that Adam Thielen will start averaging three touchdowns per game. But (laughs) if Justin Jefferson finishes the season on a big run, I do actually think that he is a top five potential pick next year too. I just think it has to be the receivers. they set your team up too well, and you're going to have a chance again next year in round two to come back at a better price and to get some of these guys. It'll be interesting, I think, you mentioned Cup. You mentioned Swift, Swift being in that conversation with how fragile some of the elements of his profile were with the injury. Now, with the fact that he was less expensive this year and with the offensive context, I'll be interested to see. I mean, one of the things that's tricky to envision right now, some of these teams that have a shot to get Deshaun Watson. I mean, I'm still very skeptical that he's going to play anytime soon in the NFL, but he obviously would be a big upgrade for a lot of teams. It looks like Aaron Rodgers will still go somewhere else, although there's a path with a fantastic end to the 2021 season that things do get repaired, I think. But so teams that can legitimately be in... <laughs> don't get your house looking. Okay. Teams that can legitimately be in on Watson or Rodgers, it's easy to look at their players and say, okay, I mean, they could be a lot better next year. I don't think the Lions are one of those teams. And so... You know, you look at the quality of the rookie crop at QB, you look at some of the other options, other ways teams might play this, you know, it's, the Lions are in a multi-year rebuild. And so I think that that could hurt Swift in terms of being a top five selection, perhaps not being an end of round one. I mean, obviously his value, you know, if you're going to give running backs that extra value there. Would, be, would have been a round one pick this year. So he would be in that mix. Joe Mixon also is someone, right? And if, if this offense morphs into the type of attack and develops the sort of consistency where they've got these three receivers, you can't defend them all, but you're going to try and be uh, conservative in terms of keeping them in front of you. And then you have Joe Mixon within the context of that. I mean, he could be one of these backs who isn't a star talent but is good enough that within the context of that offense to be a very very high scoring player so I, I mean if he ends up with this run here where he averages 22 points a game over the last two-thirds of the season i mean he's going to be in the mix for top five and so those would kind of be the guys i think are are going to be there when we get to next august
1: yeah and you, you mentioned there that it, like you know you have to go wide receiver f things play out the way we think they're going to play out, but what I'm saying is when it comes to draft time that's not going to happen and we're going to get those wide receivers probably again at you know eight nine ten
2: eleven so you think it's going to be more Ezekiel Elliott in the first round people just can't
1: I think they so. can't resist it well I, I think that like Kamara is probably going to get the talk off depending on how the season finishes up uh you know an injury that's what held him back look good at the end of the season pushes himself back in Dalvin cook depending on his injury um, you know, it's going to be a situation that uh still look good. Should be still in that range. Has the upside. Did it two two years ago. Christian McCaffrey should be there for the reasons we talked about. Austin Eckler could be there for the reasons that you mentioned. I mentioned Swift. We mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Barkley might still have some you know fans out there. You know, still based on that on that rookie year. But I think the likes of like Derek Henry. There's no way people are going to overlook what he did to start the season, and he's still going to have all the red flags that they had. Coming into this year plus the red flags of all the carries he had this year then as a season but i think you're going to have them in and you know Aaron jones his season could still finish out strong There, the guys that were there this year i think a lot of them are still going to be in the mix as well and then um uh, like i just i just find it that i find it impossible that there won't be at least five running backs in the first round next year based on what happens every year i think and for us that'll be good sean i think that the feeling is that it's going to be a long slow time to turn around or people stop drafting those running backs early and you mentioned something that could be very interesting is if people start to buy into the dead zone and don't draft those running backs in that range like basically what it's going to turn into then is our listener leagues for six or seven rounds where we have just white players and then we're going to have those dead zone guys are just going to shift down to the 10th 11th round and then it'll still like people are still going to want to draft their running backs and we when we talk about it on saturday show even the way some of the draft board played out this year like even the guys who went running back in the first round and then took their uh like there's a team here who has taken four wide receivers then in the first five rounds but then has come back with mike davis who like this year was the absolutely prototypical dead zone running back heading into the season and it's kind of played out that way you know people are afraid you know there's that part like need to get them need to get them i've waited this amount of rounds need to get four more on my roster in the next three (laughs) like they're trying to get four running backs in three rounds even though it's not possible to get as many running backs in there so i think that's deeply ingrained in people who are drafting and even at the moment you know no matter what happens with these results i think if a zero rb team goes on and wins one of these national contests i think we'll hear people saying yeah, all the running backs got injured. That's the only reason it worked. You know, all the running backs won't get injured again this year. But then maybe not as many of the top guys get injured as got injured this year so far. But similar things are going to happen again. Because again, I think the overall part is people don't understand the construction element of it. So maybe they don't take as many running backs in the first, you know, two rounds. But I think they're still going to think they need to get those guys there in the dead zone and, and so on and so forth. So going to be interesting. It feels like, Sean, we have four or five podcasts worth of content uh, when we get to the conversation around this
2: yeah i was going to say that i think that's right to an extent and i don't think that you're going to see a lot of i mean analysts but in this context we'll just call all of ourselves pundits right um, because that's a little bit more of the element where people are kind of going back to their foundation i think people are going to have a really hard time especially if you're if you kind of establish yourself as being in one category or the other i don't think a lot of minds are going to be changed by this season that's just not the way that it works i don't think that you're going to see a lot of changes in stance from major voices in the community although you don't necessarily need to see a lot of changes for the changes to then kind of ripple out You know, if you have people who are very, uh, we might call them moderates, uh, you know, move in the direction of more wide receiver heavy, that's going to have some ripple effects. But I do think that the general player is going to move in the direction of the actual results. And so I don't think that we necessarily need to see a sea change in terms of the way the fantasy community talks about it to actually see some pretty significant moves in ADP. Now, what you're saying, I definitely think the the first round is going to be running back heavy right i think there's a chance that we could see some of those top wide receivers actually move up but then you know those those two rounds the interesting thing i think will be which guys do fall because for me and i you know and i'm wrong about these things all the time but i would think that the seasons for camara and cook and henry uh, and barkley those four are a much bigger concern in terms of kind of where they're going to fall to. Now, does that mean that they're going to fall to where they're a value? No, I mean, they're still not going to be a value. And it's going to be kind of this thing that we saw this year with Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley, where if you're staring at those guys at the 203, the 204, the 205, but then it becomes a very tricky call, right? Because, and, and that's what happened this year. And, with, and Jonathan Taylor, it's really paid off magically with Saquon Barkley. It basically hasn't, right? Because the thing that pushed him into that range has come true now it came true in part because of a second injury which is something that could have happened to any of these guys and actually did happen to basically the entire top five right is that was an injury that wasn't a pre-existing injury that made it so Barkley didn't pay off this year but you know it's going to be interesting if we're looking at those four players to start the second round if it's like 201, 202, 203, 204 for Henry, Camara, Cook, Barkley you know, then you're like, hmm, that's tricky. Because Najee Harris is going to go 107, 108, if not higher, right? I mean, the, the the workload projection is still going to be there. And the offense, I mean, it has to be better, right? So he's going to be there. I mean, he's going to be somebody pushing people down. I think that Javante Williams could be there pushing people down. Uh,
1: Sounds like there's going to be 12 running backs in the first round, is what you're trying to tell me.
2: It, it's going to be the second round again, right? <laughs> they're,
1: they're going yeah. to go 12 running backs in the first round, and then the second round will be all wide receivers.
2: No, it's, it's going to be balanced on the first. It's going to be all running backs then in the second, you know, unless we see some huge performances by guys like a CD lamb, for example, but I think the people are a little bit turned off of some of those wide receivers in the same way they're turned off of some of the early running backs. You know, we part of this is sort of an off the field thing, but Calvin Ridley walks away. That really destroys a lot of the people who started wide receiver, wide receiver at the end of the first round you know then you have justin jefferson has been awesome but aj brown all of the different injury things that he's gone through cd lamb injuries weirdness with the cowboys you know all that kind of thing we can see the upside but you can also be like i'll just get that a little bit later uh, you know you have players who weren't necessarily drafted quite that high but you know jerry judy t higgins there have been some disappointments and people are going to feel like you know just be patient just be patient so that second round is going to be loaded i think your guy aaron jones is going to go at the tail end of the second round because it just is tricky if you have another good back on the roster uh, it'll be interesting to see I mean one of the the guys who could be a big, big bounce back is Clyde Edwards-Alaire right all he has to do to get back into that second round range is have a solid finish to the season because people love the workload they love the Chiefs offense and there's some truth to that I mean one of the things we're seeing right now is that Joe Mixon is taking advantage of that you know with the quality of the Chiefs' offense. Very easy to see how Clyde Edwards-Alaire could be the 2022 Joe Mixon. So, you know, I don't think that you and I will be on him because one of the things that we really do emphasize is that you want to be very sure about the talent of anybody that you're investing this early pick in. But there's going to be a path for him to score a lot of points, and that's going to keep him in that range based on how we value running backs. One of the things that will be interesting, I think, and and will determine – a lot, sort of structurally in terms of how people go tactically for 2022 will be this rookie class it's not considered to be a star class uh, a little bit more in some ways like last year's class but maybe without the top end guys because Najee Harris, uh, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne a lot of people are pretty excited about those players and the big spread that we've gotten from these three players I think kind of will help people envision better the different paths that these rookie and even top rookies can take. And it'll make them question some of the things about how much do we want to pay if the running back is in this timeshare. Now, one of the things we've seen with Javante Williams this year is that unlike so many of the recent situations where a star rookie really did just completely seize the reins one way or another by the second half of the season, Melvin Gordon just hasn't gone away, right? And so that is going to create the memory for people of the issue of the timeshare any backs who are drafted into that situation are going to have to deal with that travis Etienne and the injury is going to reinforce kind of the the injury risks that some of these young players have and so you have that and then you have Najee harris who's going to come out toward the top i mean unless the Pittsburgh offense continues to implode to the point where harris finishes poorly i mean the finish is the last thing that sticks in people's minds and so we do have that element as well i mean that would knock down Rookies in general, because you also have this generalization of what specific individual players have done if they kind of represent a class or a group of some kind. And so I think that part will be interesting. Uh you know, we'll see how the rookie running backs test, we'll see where they're drafted. It could be that by the time we get into the middle of next summer, the rookie running backs actually do play a relatively significant role in 2022 drafts.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be very interesting. And uh, Sean. I did mention at the start of that kind of segment that we were going to talk about the zero rb report but i think uh, that conversation around the rb apocalypse and and what uh, could happen at the start of the next year's drafts so i think hopefully the listeners really appreciated that I enjoyed it myself and of course if you want to check out the article which we talked about the title of but didn't talk about any of the other players <laughs> and head on over to rotavis.com check that out it's one of my go-to pieces every week and of course Blair has you covered for the other conference as well if you haven't signed up to rotavis yet you want to get yourself an NFL pass it's uh, like it's always the perfect time to do it whether it's the start of the season end of the season middle of the season after the season To will get you set up for the rest of this season and to next season the draft we have you covered for all that good stuff you can sign up get a 10 percent discount using the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or you can go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for more information my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to my co-host is always a sean siegel we will have another show coming your way on a saturday and until we are back with that show have a good one